0: Blog Talk Radio. You cannot get rid of tyranny by fighting tyrants, for a very good reason. Tyranny doesn't exist independently of something else, which is more important. There is a something else which has to be defined before you know what tyranny is. What's that? It's opposite. Prison. Get a friend. Get informed and get involved. We are Not Channel Radio.
1: That's right, you have found it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live for the first time in weeks. Thank you so much for joining us. And as I go through and double-check all of my tools here, we're actually not going to be able to get Robert Wasman on the line tonight. He uh, caught himself a nice little migraine, so that kind of put him under the uh, under the thumb of your human body. Sometimes, you know, our conscious mind wants us to do stuff that our body will not let us do. So, unfortunately, we will not have Robert on with us tonight, but we will have Josh Wiley on here with me in just a minute. So, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you for making us a, a part of your life. You know we do have that precious thing called time. This is the one commodity that we have a finite amount of. We can all go make more fake money. We can all go uh plant more trees, grow more crops, et cetera, et cetera. But we cannot create more time, which actually brings me to um to uh what I've been kind of working on the last couple of weeks. I know that um I've been kind of slacking on the show. And it's been for a multitude of reasons, but now as I told everybody um, building up to this is that I'm um, going to be doing the show live again, going to be uh, getting a little bit more politically active, which I'm excited about because I, I miss it. I, I miss going out and trying to make a difference uh, and challenging people, challenging their belief system and and getting them to see life just a little bit differently. And it doesn't mean that you have to believe what I say. It doesn't mean you have to believe what Josh Wiley says and Lord help you, it doesn't believe you have to believe what the mainstream media tells you. But we get into this idea and this facet of discovery, and that's kind of where I'm at now. And that's why the show has taken a turn. Me starting out as somebody that was an awake person trying to get people to pay attention, um, utilizing um almost utilizing similar tactics to somebody like an Alex Jones that just uh fear porns everybody and uh over exacerbates a lot of situations in order to try to drive ratings and and get people to pay attention. You know, sometimes being the the town crier works. It, it worked on me. It worked on um, millions of other people to get them to pay attention to what can become in this um, in this crazy world that we live in, where we give people power over our own individual bodies, and we call that government. And somehow, some way, that uh, that form gets to make rules and regulations um even though it says that we have input do we really have input that's uh, the question that we always tackle here at we are not cattle because if you understand the philosophy and understand the ideas of i guess libertarianism voluntarism um i would just call it natural law because once you get down to it that's what we're really getting after is uh, is ownership is do you own yourself do you own um, do you your body? so it looks like that Josh was trying to call in. I don't uh, wanna put you guys on perpetual hold here, so let's see if he can uh let's see if he can sign in, and I'm gonna go ahead and before we get going on the show tonight, I'll go ahead and play a little clip here. give me some time to get him set up um with all of our good um discussions we're gonna have tonight about Jade Helm is it really? what uh, the far right wing media would like for you to believe or is it something um something more interesting in the dragoon ride that we need to all discuss that is kind of never really making it to the um making it to the mainstream media so here's a here's a clip while i try to get josh on the line for us and um enjoy guys
0: i don't have to tell you things are bad everybody knows things are bad It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore!
1: Well, isn't it funny how the world works in cycles? That was from the network, I think that was back in the 1970s. He was talking about the Russians back then, and who's the big boogeyman now? The Russians again. It becomes an utter weird cyclical cycle that we live in on this planet as we spin around the sun and then have a moon that orbits us that we still don't know even know what the hell that thing is. Scientists still have no idea. They're like, well, we think it – maybe there was an asteroidal collision with the Earth. We don't know. Just taking shots at it. So – So that's where we're at, people. We are running a cyclical cycle, um, uh, and No Agenda Radio does an incredible job of uh, documenting the the six-week cycle that the CIA will typically run in order to fear porn everybody into believing their gigantic budgets and their stopping of terrorism is all warranted, and it's all needed because daddy government's here to protect you. Yes, Republicans, guess what? You are brainwashed as well. I know that you guys think all the liberals are crazy, but guess what? You're just as nuts, because you want daddy government to solve all your problems, too. You want daddy government to go over there and beat people up. You want daddy government to protect you at home. And then you get mad at people that like the nanny state, when in reality you're doing something that is um, far, far more dangerous. But that's okay, because... Sean Hannity's up there, and he throws the football. Dude, life is great. All right, so now we have Josh Wiley on the line. Sorry for the uh, momentary stall of getting the, the show set up. But uh, Josh and I have conversations um, from time to time. And when I say conversations, any time that he and I engage on the phone, um, it usually lasts a couple of hours. So we don't really have a script for the show tonight, but I do have my new soundboard, and I'm going to be utilizing that. Um Sorry that I overutilized it in the last episode uh with a mario coin, but I got some other stuff here so uh joining me now as the the rotation spinning stops and we pull them up is uh Josh Wiley what's going on, man? oh not a whole lot jake uh thanks so much for having me on it's uh good to be back on live radio as I understand this is uh your first show back in in a while as well yeah, this is um this is it man and we're we're doing um I'm doing the backup right now so we'll have backups of the backup. So if we start ducking or anything if my audio starts ducking um somebody type in in the chat room, somebody um messaged me on Facebook, who knows, Josh yell at me, I don't care. Let's just uh let's figure out this uh this audio glitch that kept me from doing live radio for gosh almost 2 months. So anyway, um where do you want to begin, Mr. Josh? You and I uh while you're doing your homesteading thing so that takes you from everything. I'm doing uh thing parenthood that takes you away from everything as well. But uh um, when we did get to connect, man, were we on fire so I figured we could just kind of ride that momentum into uh into today's into today's show and, and enlighten the people on what we believe um through our you know research and and understanding and more importantly critical thinking oh gee don't we use that um, of what's going on in the world so let's start with the uh, what do you start with man you want to start with jade helm what do you where do you want to go with this? oh man well
2: there's just there there are so many the the mainstream media news cycle and even the alternative media news cycle the two kind of feed into each other in this strange kind of, uh, you know, negative feedback loop f- way. But it, it almost seems as if these events are, are, uh, are accelerating, uh, at, at a, at a pace that even would have been unheard of two or three years ago. Uh, so yeah, I, mean, I,
1: would I, I would agree.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, g- given that that's the case, uh, I mean, th- there are a lot of different places to start, um, but I, I think no matter no matter where we start in this in, anal- in analyzing you know kind of news that's around us right now, all all roads seem to lead back to to Rome in a way, in that all all roads lead back to this uh, neo Cold War as it's now being called, uh, and uh, at, by the end of this show, I, w- I would like to to at least kind of posit a thesis on whether or not this neo cold war is um is much like the last cold war in that um someone like professor Anthony Sutton of the Stanford uh uh of Stanford University at the Hoover Research Institute uh when he wrote his series uh the, his Wall Street series essentially coming to the conclusion that virtually all of America's enemies over the past 100 years had first been set up financed uh you know and, and trained by America to be that enemy. And as we see this new paradigm emerging yet again, uh, this East versus West dialectic Russia and China, the BRICS power block versus NATO versus the Anglo-American establishment, whether or not there's validity uh, to the to the theory that this is <laughs> indeed just like all of the other past uh, conflicts within the Anglo-American establishment.
1: Mm-hmm now so let's take it a step further and and try to discuss um or clarify for the people at home uh anthony sutton was um it was a what was it stanford professor uh hoover institute guy right
2: yes yes okay. uh, uh Stam- stanford and university the the hoover institute he he was there from the from the sixties through the 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 late seventies uh wrote mm-hmm. a series of of scholarly books on, um, on, on Wall Street, and specifically this, as he found out later, this core of Skull and Bones members uh, mm. financing the, the Nazis, uh, the, the Bolshevik Revolution, and uh, FDR. He wrote a number right. of books on the war on gold as well. And when he was kind of run out of, of Stanford University, because uh, you know, the top the brass essentially said, well, you can't write this stuff, Anthony, it's just <laughs> not going to fly here. He, he decided to uh, to write trade books. Which is you know essentially books for mass consumption in the hope that if the hallowed halls of academia did not want to hear, maybe the American people uh, would would like to hear. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Professor Sutton did not reach uh, you know the audience that he should have. Obviously, because he's not a household name today, uh, he died. Um, oh, geez, it was it was about ten years ago. In mm-hmm. some, he he was he was an older gentleman, but he died in some interesting circumstances that that people can. Can can look up if they are, if they're so if they're curious. It was around the time that his books, after being out of print for about twenty years, uh, were mm-hmm. due to be reprinted, and then he
1: met his met his end. Well, it's it seems to be a pattern that any time that you challenge a, a in the elite class, whether it's the, you call them the uh, Anglo American establishment, some people would call them the Illuminati, some people call them you know, um, the powers that be, whether it just seems like that anybody that ever crosses a an elitist group uh, usually ends up ending their eating or ha- having their demise come about in either a roundabout way or they die in poverty like Tesla, where you have these people that were incredible minds and they either get co-opted by JP Morgan like Tesla did and then they end up being broke and then the FBI ransacks their place steals all of this data and then says they don't have anything which actually I just read an article last week there was a PBS publication that came out uh, of all places um you know um, truth will show up in the weirdest places if you if you know what you're looking for that um the FBI had a file that basically said that Tesla yeah he completed Wardenclyffe he was able to deliver um he was able to deliver wireless energy and communications uh with uh, with no with no delay and with um with very little expense attached to it so we can you can extrapolate from there i mean if you people think that gold gold is bad and you people think that oil is bad as far as a racket goes and a monopoly imagine what would happen if you had a free energy source or somewhat free that costs very little to run that could power the entire the entire United States. I've seen studies on it where they said that you would need to build five Warden Cliffs in certain areas, and that would be able to power everything from televisions to to planes to cars. I mean, anything. You wouldn't need batteries anymore. What an incredible world that would create. But as you and I both know, the world is not set up for things like that. The world is set up to To consolidate and control and utilize command and control uh, to what they believe is the benefit of us, the slaves, whereas we kind of push back and say, no, 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 we can take care of ourselves. And then it becomes this idea, like I was telling you about this book that I was reading, Josh, about um, um, the uh, – not. gosh, I always say it's Timothy McVeigh, but it was um, – what was the dude's name again? Can you help me out uh, Ted, here?
2: Ted Kaczynski, the uh, the Unabomber Ted. Manifesto,
1: yes. Yeah, I was reading that, and people, if you've never taken a look at it, please do. I mean, obviously people in the mainstream would say that you're an absolute nut job for even looking at it, but that's a good way to kind of dismiss a topic without even addressing it altogether. But if you read his writings, it's very, very telling what he thought was coming. Now, Josh, you and I talked about this as well, saying that he said that there's no real um, – real authentic copy of his manifesto in place. So this might've been some kind of ghostwriter or it was tampered with or doctored somehow, but he made a lot of really great points in there and things that you need to understand as just a person in society, understanding what uh, social norms are and how they're utilized to, um, to create a command and control society. And then once you've created the social norms and the social regulations so to speak on the human population the humans will go and regulate themselves and it's very very bizarre and that's what we're seeing with all this new legislation coming out the legislation that came out in indiana that everybody's all in an uproar about and once again no agenda did a great job breaking it down but i went and read the legislation josh it is not even like half a page and there is nothing really telling in there about anything anti-gay it was a religious it was a religious basically a religious rewrite of a of a law and and it even says in there that if you have a problem with the law or something something bad happens to you according to race or religion that you have the ability to not only sue the individual that did it to you but you can sue the government if the government is the one perpetrating the problem so it becomes this political distraction And that's why, um, you know, that's why it is a a giant distraction. It's a political football issue. They'll use that. They'll use abortion. They'll use vaccines. They'll use anything that they can to get you to look away from the picture. And the picture that is being created right now, or as far as I can see, and I don't know, if Josh, if you believe this too, it's it's a buildup for either an armed conflict or, like you said, this neo-Cold War that's going to happen with Russia. I mean – the way that the, the Jade Helm exercise is, most people are looking at it as a martial law scenario. Yes, it's very creepy that they're having the, the military, quote-unquote, and special ops try to infiltrate and, and be part of the population and blend in you know, with society. But then you look at the places and the areas that they're holding these training exercises, and Josh, you and I have talked about this before, the military doesn't do shit just to do it. They do it for a purpose. So, if they're doing training exercises in Texas and Utah and Southern California, you need to look at the terrain that they're training in, the kind of climate that they're training in, and then try to transpose that somewhere else in the world. And then you'll probably have an idea of what they're training for. And then with this, um, with this uh, Dragoon ride that you uh that you pointed me towards the other day which was in stars and stripes which i'm gonna have to start reading every day now because that's just it's really good to understand what the u.s um policy is uh not from the white house and the spokesholes up there but what our real military policy is and what we're trying to to do uh josh why don't you take it from there um, do you think i'm off base with any of this stuff what are your thoughts uh no not not off
2: base uh, necessarily uh on in on the topic of i guess jade helm 15 uh, i mean the 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 object at least from from where i sit is is pretty clear it's yet another one of these operations to kind of normalize the idea of uh of of troops being you know kind of a presence in american life sure, uh,
1: you know sure.
2: a, a, everyday life so you know a, because
1: that's, a, that's an extra goodie that they get out of any kind of military exercise whether it's the <laughs> The black helicopters or it's a simulated, you know, simulated natural disaster. You know, that's that's the kind of goody that they get out of it whenever you involve the public in it. And especially if you got people like, you know, certain talk show hosts that like to fear porn, everything that the government's going to come get you tomorrow. And there's a red list and a green list and a blue list and a purple list and all this other nonsense, you know, not looking at it as disinfo. It's like, oh, I got this from a military source. Well, well dude, they're going to run disinfo on you too, dumbass. Like, well, it's just, how do you... go ahead. It's it's the
2: realization that, you know, there's uh within that Venn diagram kind of, you know, of psychological operation and actual kind of combat training, uh sure. the, depending on the mission, you know, there's a lot more uh kind of that meet in the center. Uh, de- again, depending on what exactly they're doing in this Jade Helm operation, you know, like what are these guys really doing in their choppers with their M16s running around the city? You know, quite frankly, excuse my French, they're just fucking around, right? These right. people—they're not training for anything that's actually strategically viable. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, you, they, and there's 1,400 people. It's just a bunch of jokers playing, you know, playing army guy. Uh, in the yeah. in the streets of downtown Austin. So this, I would say, is uh, is primarily a, a psychological operation. Uh, I mm-hmm. would say the same thing, Jake. Even though its grandeur is far larger, uh, this dragoon ride in which the dragoon unit is, has been parading around uh, all of uh, these former Soviet republic states, ending up what was it, three hundred yards or three hundred yeah. feet from the Russian border in uh, Latvia?
1: Three hundred yards in Latvia and rolling tanks by the Russian border and yeah.
2: They're parking something yeah. like five thousand tanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this is actually. Where's that, that on the th- news,
1: everybody? You guys, you guys uh, catch that on Fox yesterday? Where's mm-hmm. that in the alternative media? I've, I've heard, yeah, uh, pretty-
2: I've, I, yeah, I've seen a few sites cover it, but so, so many of them are are so f- terrified out of their minds because they they have it in their heads that fourteen hundred people in you know a, what six seven state region are, are going to declare martial law because a fat man who gets worked up on the radio told them so. Yeah, I mean, and Jake, this is, I mean, it's, we laugh about it. We can joke about it because we are, we're out of the fear loop, you know? So it's easy for us to kind of, uh, to kind of sit back and look at this stuff with, I guess, a little bit more objectivity. Um, Mm -hmm. But for, for people that are still stuck in, in that fear loop, the way that this alternative and mainstream news cycle ha- has uh, has kind of again with this negative feedback loop started started recurring, uh, it, it it does truly perpetuate that state of uh, of of cognitive dissonance of being yeah. so utterly paralyzed by fear and, and so, uh, you know, kind of trapped within your own world and trapped within your own head and, and, you know, looking around thinking, oh, I'm the only one who knows and I have to go out in public with all these people and oh, they could be my enemy and who's who and blah, 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 blah. it right. uh, th- th- This is the, I would say that's the average psyche of, of someone who, you know, visits alternative media sites today. And I guess what, what I'm saying is when we look at these op- operations, psychological warfare operations like Jade Helm 15, like Dragoon mm-hmm. Ride, I mean, these mm-hmm. things are mil- these are military operations, so they have real ramifications. But what we really need to start asking ourselves is what is this prognostication? What is this boastfulness really about? Because the Anglo-American establishment throughout history, it is a vile, And uh, you know, morally abhorrent group, but they're not stupid. They're not stupid. They they, they've never poked. They've never gotten into fights that they didn't either think that they could win, or if they or formed
1: themselves and then went in to squash it as a as a fake or faux as some kind of faux prognosticate or you know faux rebellion.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, as uh, I guess what I'm what I've coined this term as is I I call it the bricks, bait and switch. Um, But I really I truly believe that a lot of uh, this kind of boastfulness on the part of uh, American foreign policy, uh, where it didn't exist in the past 10, 15, 20, I would say even 50 years uh, where, Mm -hmm. you know, we are certainly bullies. I shouldn't use the term we I I don't want anything to do with these Yeah, people. I don't
1: I don't consent to I don't consent to any of this nonsense.
2: Yeah, but the American government is uh is, is has has become incredibly uh, uh you know uh, antagonistic towards groups and and countries like the like the eastern establishment of Russia and China that aren't Vietnam or, you know, Bosnia or <laughs> Kenya, you know, or small isolated nations that you know you could do terrible things to, um, but essentially don't have the power to to, to really stick it to you back, um, and and that's obviously changed uh, within the past you know five years. Well, again, when we look back at the Cold War and you look at uh, the 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 erection of the Soviet Union as the the great other that had to be, you know, fought at all costs. And then you look right. at someone like Anthony Sutton's work where, you know, uh Kuhn Loeb and company uh are are giving, you know, millions of dollars to to finance the Bolshevik Revolution in the 20s right. and in the and in the 70s they're giving them all of this technology uh for ICBMs that for right. the bearing.
1: Yeah, and, and Boeing Galif- and all those other guys were involved, you know, making jets and making I mean, it's it's just a it's just a, a ploy to get people to 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 bring in manufacturing and, and build up a um and build up a you know basically something similar to what we have here in the United States and that's a war economy. And then what do you have to do and if you're a war economy, well you gotta go to war with somebody. Can't just let these bombs sit around. We got new bombs. Dude we got new bombs coming out next year. We gotta get these off the deck. Gotta make this stuff happen. Yeah. Sorry I didn't mean to cut you off man. But uh here here's a good here's a good clip for you, Josh and this is um this is off of uh, Fox News and this is um this was a uh, Lou Dobbs I don't know if you've heard this yet I'm sure you have but um this is the kind of stuff people that I've never seen in my entire life especially in the past 6 years of really trying to follow mainstream media following geopolitics I've never seen anything like this So um here it is let's see if this uh this plays through Josh um hopefully you'll be able to hear it
0: Three thousand U.S. troops deploying to uh, to Eastern Europe. Uh, some armor will be going uh,
1: with them, right. apparently. Uh, to what effect? Okay, so that was um, that was the dragoon ride right there. The three thousand troops and some armor will be going with them. Just a little bit, like five hundred tanks, just a little bit.
0: And what do you expect? Uh, I think to no effect, blue. It's game set and match in the Ukraine. The only way the United States can have any effect in this region and turn the tide is to start killing Russians, killing Russians by uh, killing so many Russians that even Putin's media can't hide the fact that Russians are returning to the motherland in body bags. But given the amount of support we've given the Ukrainians, given the ability of the Ukrainians themselves to counterattack against these, what, 12,000 Russians camped in their country, uh, sadly that's not likely to happen.
1: Though. I love how he says camped in their country. Uh, let, let's take a little bit of a backstory story here, um, Fox News. The place where they're camped in that country, the Ukraine, um, that actually used to be the capital of Russia when it was the Soviet Union. So don't act like this is a place that, that's always been and belonged to the Ukrainians. It, it, it is not. So, I mean, Josh, have you ever heard rhetoric like that before in your life? I mean, that was just beyond anything that i've ever heard i mean that's that's i don't know what are your what are your thoughts
2: i mean you hear uh you hear the, this kind of rhetoric from you know talking heads um but from you know essentially someone who is uh you know a kind of a respected member of the establishment supposedly yeah. uh you, that again that yeah you're right that's something that we wouldn't have heard within the past 5 or 10 years and what i guess what i'm what i'm trying to get at is people kind of need to take a step back and and see really the force through the trees so to speak on this one uh the american empire is uh is is seemingly uh essentially gearing up for some kind of of, of major conflict now whether that conflict actually takes place in the form of of some great war or I- instead some kind of economic catastrophe uh the the latter of which i i find you know kind of Far more, uh, far more likely. In fact, uh, I think that this this war drum beating uh, is actually part of uh, of, of a, a far more scripted and Machiavellian plan. To uh, again, when we look at the history of the Anglo American establishment, they are they only initiate conflicts when they know they can come out on top, right? Yeah. And and it, so we look at this latest conflict, and it almost seems as if these people are ready to flip the chessboard over, you know. To throw a temper tantrum and, and start and start World War Three. Um, but we really have to again ask ourselves, uh, is is that is that really the, the end game here? Is a global conflict between the West and East really the end game? Or is America has America been cast in as this role uh of essentially the the new Nazi Empire? And well, that's- the, the yeah, I mean, and the bad guy on the block.
1: That's what you and I have talked about at uh, at length. So let's take that um, let's take that little tidbit and and run with it. So let's start backing up some of the ideas, not just with hyperbole, but with with cold hard facts as to what we're we're looking at and how we very much similarly um, like, like mimic what happened to what happened to the Nazis in World War Two. So go ahead, man.
2: Yeah, well, I, I I guess you you could uh, probably enumerate those connections a little, uh, maybe a little bit better than I could, at least uh, in that there you've got a kind of a crystallized allegory. It sounds like that you want to pursue. Um, well, it
1: seems to me like if if you look at the way that everything lines up from the from the inflation of the dollar to the to the way that. Um, to the way that the 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 positioning of the United States around the world has been well, this wasn't really the case in Nazi Germany because the the propaganda was so good that that um, most of the people that uh, that didn't know anything about what was going on inside the walls of Germany uh, thought that Germany was actually pretty good. They're like, hey, this is an up and coming country. Hitler's got this stuff turned around. He's a war hero. He's uh, jump started the economy. All of those different things. But when we look at it, brass tacks. Those are the two things that lined up for me. Was just um, we're spread too thin around the world. We have bases in 190 nation states, and um, and we, or excuse me, we have 190 bases around the world, and um, and we're just running out of money. So whether the whether the money machine is what gets turned off first, or whether the war machine gets cranked up first, to me it just seems like it's kind of running parallel. To, to the things that we saw there because it started out with, you know, taking the Rhineland and then I was like, oh, okay, we'll let them do that. And the U.S. has kind of gone in with NATO and in all these different areas and said, no, we're just going to be in a support role. And we're never in a support role. We're always leading the charge, utilizing uh, utilizing American might, like you said, being the bullies of the world. And eventually one day we're going to be propagandized on the other side of the coin and we don't see it because we're living here in America where the propaganda, once again, is beyond anything that Joseph Goebbels could have even ever imagined because the American public, number one, doesn't even care if we're at war. That's the most mind-boggling thing to me is that we don't even care if we're killing other people. And number two, we have a new enemy every week, and the people always buy it. So, I mean, where does this all – I mean, where does it all go, I guess? And maybe – we're exactly where you're stating in in the fact that we're being set up as the as the bully of the world and the bad guy, and that we're gonna be we're gonna be taken down, and and the and the internationalists get their wish they get their wish they finally beat the uh, the freest nation that's ever existed.
0: Hm.
2: Well, uh, I I I the vast majority of the American people are are simply you know mental children. Uh, you know, and, and deliberately kept that way. You know, it's like that Josiah Stamp quote. You know, uh, about sending them paraphrasing if you essentially uh, make stupid Uh-oh. and then criticize them. Sorry, uh,
1: we lost we lost your audio. Go ahead and go ahead and repeat the quote. We lost your audio.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now?
1: Yeah, we got you. We got you. Okay.
2: You're just a so uh, Josiah Stamp essentially said, you know, if you if you dumb down your populace. Uh, and, and then uh, criticize them for, for being unintelligent and not being able to, to make a living, then, uh, you know, you only have to look at yourself in the mirror as to the root of the problem. Uh, so I, I'm it's difficult, you know, at, in these circumstances, even though they're not blameless to blame the American public per se. I
1: mm-hmm. would
2: say, though, that a, a great number, I think there are far more people, Jake, uh, that are tuned into the alternative media. Um, than then certainly the establishment likes, likes to promote, uh, and, and maybe not in a crystallized sense in that they really have an idea of what's going on, but the American people know that they're being lied to about a great number of things as a whole, I think. And, uh, I, I also think that they, they're completely and utterly, you know, fed up by this, uh, this left hand of destruction, the, the left p- side of the political paradigm, centrally mm-hmm. stripping away all American industry uh you know nationalizing medical records uh, uh you know printing vast quantities of money uh and this is uh it's an old occultic principle it's this order ab chaos kind of method out of order or out of chaos comes order and in the mm. in these in the mystery schools of course uh the left hand is the hand of chaos the right hand is the hand of order and mm-hmm. over the past uh you know Seven, six, seven years now, we have had in in America the left hand at work, uh, the left side of the political paradigm, uh, literally just participating in deindustrializing America, stripping out whatever left wealth was left at just this unprecedented rate. And the only reaction to that can can be anger and frustration, and that's that's a deliberate political sentiment that's created. Uh, and the alternative media plays a huge role in kind of propagating that that sentiment, uh, but you know as as we look to another again historical kind of kind of note uh, order abteo is one, another is the Hegelian dialectic problem mm-hmm. reaction solution. so the problem has been framed to us uh, that you know of course the evil bad west. Um, is who prints all of this money and uses it to to put third world nations in debt and and right. bombs innocent people? These are horrible things you know i'm I'm not going to dispute that at all. Um, mm-hmm. but the narrative seems to be that's the problem. The reaction of course being that we need to essentially kind of uh, demilitarize the West. we need to get our uh, our balance sheets in check and the solution. Uh, would be um a a, a ron paul rand paul esque kind of libertarian uh figure mm-hmm. um who would who would as as ron paul has uh has so traditionally said and the fed but if we take a step back and we look at the the model for the new world order that was proposed by the the rockefeller brothers fund in uh in a in a research paper back in the sixties uh, yeah. it was entitled prospects for america they
1: clear, <laughs> yeah
2: yeah they they clearly outline uh that the new world order is will not be you know uh a, uni, a unipolar world if no. one if if it will instead be a multipolar world with multilateral institutions so perhaps a few you know transnational central banks you know right. there's room for more than just the IMF in this game right like perhaps the BRICS New Development Bank, or the right. Asian Infrastructure Development Bank, right? I mean, and there are a number of UN policy one,
1: papers. That's the one that's been gaining steam for the last couple of months, is the Asian Development Bank.
2: Well, the AIIB has only been announced within the past three weeks. Uh, so so that's a, ver- that's a fairly recent development. Um, and it kind of does beg the question, you know, if the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank is for investment, then what's mm. the new development bank for? because uh, they said that was going to be for investment, and that's right. been in the works now for four years. Uh, but at the same time, we have the people's head of the People's Bank of China, Zhou uh, Xiaochuan, publishing a paper uh, back in 2009 called Through the Bank of International Settlements, called Reform the International Monetary System, in which he very clearly says, we don't want to be the world reserve currency. We us China, th- We don't want the yuan as a world reserve currency. We would instead prefer... If uh, the, SD, the yuan were added to the basket of currencies in the SDR, gold were also added, and potentially silver, of which China has uh, has accumulated oh. a large amount of. Oh, and, how and can how, Yeah, and how, of course, did they, they accumulate these funds, Jake? Uh, the, the, the price of gold and silver is fixed. Literally, mm. I mean, this is admitted uh, by the London <laughs> Bullion Market Association. Uh, the, the LBMA is headed by an M. Rothschild group. I mean, yeah, among uh, among a number of
1: other partners, board. it's like what is it? Like six people that sit on the board of that?
2: Yeah, and they have a big fancy website where they admit all this stuff. This isn't you know a crazy conspiracy theory. It's right. It's you can look it up for yourself.
1: Uh, and now they that set the price, don't they set the price weekly or biweekly?
2: Um, it it used to be yeah twice a month. Um, but it, the, both of these fixes, the silver fix and the gold fix, have ended in their traditional. Which means that we're coming to a close on kind of this wealth transfer from west to east. But we have to Mm -hmm. ask ourselves: so why are these Western multilateral multinational institutions like the LBMA, headed by the Rothschilds? Why have they been systematically suppressing the price of gold and silver as they print money hand over fist? uh, Because the only beneficiaries of this would seemingly
1: be the Chinese
2: and and the Russians, and and these groups. The Russians, yeah, definitely not us
1: unless we have the. The fake gold that Karen Hude says that we've got because they saw it all coming and whatever. Yeah, she's chilling hard. You know, maybe she's maybe (laughs) the what the what the alien head people that live in the Vatican or yeah the
2: the the, cone head wasp people from the Vatican will fly out with you know resurrected John F Kennedy and rain gold certificates upon America. Yeah, okay, I'll believe it when it happens, Karen. (laughs) Um, But man, I hope I'm wrong
1: on that one. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's th- this is a wealth transfer process, Jake, and it, it's about it's wrapping up, it's it's coming to a close, and that's what is really kind of unsettling about all of this is that we have to realize that the Rothschilds and the L- LBMA are the ones who systematically suppress this gold price for the for essentially their their supposed enemy. So uh, uh, is is one to believe that after. Over a hundred years of geopolitical Mach- Machiavellian brilliance, sick, twisted brilliance, but brilliance nonetheless, um, right. has just eroded over the past five years, and now these people have just gone full retard. And of course, you never go full retard, um, <laughs> but and now they're just they're just insane, and they just decided that they want to start World War III and give away all of their gold, which traditionally has meant power. I mean, this this is just a, a, a and this is the juvenile line that the alternative media has taken it's essentially this jake that the evil west will be toppled by the good east the wicked witch of the west you know glinda will sweep down on her on her magic broom and save dorothy at the very last second from herself and the ndb and the aiib and the chinese and the russians they're not warfaric countries of course henry kissinger says this as well just like a lot of alternative media prognosticators interesting right um, no, that, want... yeah, that China has no history of imperialism. Uh, so we can trust China, you know, kind of being added to these multilateral, multinational institutions, uh, giving giving them a larger seat at the power table, which, again, is what this Rockefeller Brothers book, Prospect for a New America, called for back in 1967, 68, um, essentially saying we want a multilateral, multinational, multipolar New World Order where, you know, we kind of keep in, individual the The ideas of nation states because nationalism can suit us when it when it needs to, but ultimately all power, especially all financial warfareic and warfareic power, will be distributed at the multinational level um so and Jake this gets into uh uh, a whole nother you know we we could take it a, a lot of different directions well i mean we could, here, we, so we, could
1: me it, we could take it let, let's take it to another policy paper that they wrote back um uh i think it was like 5 years ago talking about the new age of technology and which ways it could go and they had four different scenarios and you had one that was like purely authoritarian you had one that they were going to utilize technology to um and I'll um if I can, I'm sure I can find that PDF online somewhere. I'll put that in the show notes for the show tonight, guys. Um, uh, the one that Josh mentioned, uh, prospects for well, is it prospects for a new America? I always get yes. that conflated with um um the Henry Kissinger one, but um oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. And him and Rumsfeld. And there you go. That was a good well, idea. Well,
2: oh, the Project for a New American Century. There we, well, go. There we go. Well, yeah. uh, well, Henry Kissinger was also was a signatory to the Prospects for America document, oh, as was...
1: Question. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good deal, then. Obviously, yeah, you got to get with that.
2: Yeah, as as was uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski. I mean, there are a lot of big names that participated in... Uh, in in that document in particular, big names that weren't big names in the '60s, but have you know seemingly you know coincidentally uh, risen to power. You know. Well, you over told the past. me that Henry
1: Kissinger got his fame by writing about how um, how uh, nuclear proliferation would bring about um, bring about more world peace, and tactical nukes would be the the wave of the future. So here, the yeah, I mean, Rockefeller
2: said, "Hey, this guy's crazy enough for us."
1: <laughs> oh right, we like this guy. Oh wow. Yeah.
2: You're our brand of nutty, Henry.
1: Yes, and the other policy paper that, like I was talking about before, which is um, utterly terrifying because they have four different scenarios and they kind of lay it out in the policy paper like it's real nice. It's like, well, these are the different scenarios that could happen. and Maybe that something could happen like this. And the very first one is like pure authoritarianism, spying on you um you know snatch and grabs the whole nine and you're and and I'm sitting there reading this policy paper, paper in horror be, and then you read the next section and it's all it's it's a whole different world and the and the next one's a whole different world and it's like and then at the very end they wrap it up and we like we don't really know what's going to happen when you know that that's total bullshit and that they're ste- uh, no, hold on a second I've actually got a button for that now Josh <laughs> So that is exactly what we're talking about. where they were they just like what Josh said? They will throw it in your face if you do, you know, take the time to do the research and and read some of these policy papers. And and as boring and lame as they sound, they are absolutely riveting sometimes when you're reading them. Going, oh my God, this is freaking terrifying. I I've read a couple of the Rand Corporation documents. I haven't read the one about the National Stabilization Force. That Alex Jones talks about all the time, but I need to read that one. I read the uh, the Delphi technique, and I looked at all their little training manuals for how to use that. Uh, so that's another interesting topic that we could talk about some other time. But um, you just run into these these long term strategic plans, and I just think that you know people when you start talking about hey, there, there's there's a reason behind this. I think that everybody's so conditioned that they, they kind of read and react in their own lives that they don't really do any forward thinking of, oh, man, you know, in in 20 years I want to do this. So I need to go ahead and plan out my my next couple of months and my next couple of years and, and set benchmarks so that I can try to get there. And if a roadblock comes, you know, if a roadblock pops up, you know, I need to have a, a couple of different ways to maneuver to get around it but still reach my goal. But that's what these people do they leave, like eat sleep and breathe this stuff and some of it like you said uh, uh Brzezinski and and Kissinger have been at this for so long it just it kind of rolls off the tongue now for them and surprise surprise Henry Kissinger on or I mean excuse me Zigner Brzezinski on um on MSNBC's Morning Joe like you talked to me this week oh by the way Morning Joe um none of their none of their episodes are uploaded uh, on their website, so you can't access them. Because I wanted no, to watch that. With, oh yeah, cause I wanted to watch that interview with Z Big. Because from what you told me, it's um, it's the same game. Like this guy, yeah, oh, it just aggravates me to no well, end, man. He, he was the policy advisor for Obama, policy advisor for Jimmy Carter, and look who the boogeyman was both times that this guy was involved with the White House. It's always Russia. And then you read his books, and he talks about how big of a bitch Russia is and about how they're the big guy on the block. Don't worry about China. They don't got any money. They got too many people. They don't have enough purchasing power. Take a look at Russia. They're the ones that are always you know, about to topple the West. Um, through through all kinds of different covert acts and stuff like that, it's really kind of it. I don't know, man. It gets annoying. Well, that's, to an that's
2: yeah, that's the Brzezinski model. I think that it's important to to note that you know Henry Kissinger was once interviewed a few years back, and uh, he was asked essentially about why he was the advisor to Republican candidates only because he didn't seem like he he was a guy who was very interested necessarily in in, in the political aspect of republicanism. To which he uh-huh. responded. Well, you know, I just kind of manage things for the Republicans because they're just my team, and then someone else manages the other side. So there are these two kind of <laughs> models. Yeah, I mean, it's he was very uh, frank in this interview. I mean, I get maybe he's
1: getting a little senile, um,
2: but yeah, well, dude, he the,
1: like he looks like some kind of crustacean from like the the Pleistocene era or something like that. It's no, just, he
2: he looks like a troll, and the big new Brzezinski looks like a goblin. Like, yeah, he, they mean, he. did do. Just,
1: dude, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. That's what. Hey, guess what, guys? That's what killing millions of people will make you look like when you turn seventy or eighty or however old those guys are.
2: You'll look like a fucking demon child. But <laughs> yeah, so oh, that's the, the. I guess the Kissinger esque model on the Republican side is again, you know, kind of force and and he, uh, heavy handed tactics, and you know, like. Kind of bribing and 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 you know again forcing your way in. Whereas the Brzezinski esque tactic, he has kind of this uh, more compartmentalized view of the world. In that you know he views the Middle Eastern theater specifically somewhere that as somewhere that the American troops shouldn't necessarily get involved. He says it, yep. he would rather create you know terrorist groups and 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 foment you know conflicts within countries and then pit them against each other. And then just, you know, kind of let it burn so you can focus your attention on uh, supposedly the enemies that really matter, which is, you know, the the China and Russia that control the the Eurasian heartland, which is what the great game has been about since uh, the great game was going on in the 1800s when when Great Britain and and uh, and the you know, the uh, the Russian monarchy were were playing their Mm -hmm. kind of spy games uh, in in the original kind of uh, MI5 Uh, Vain, but
1: so we got ten minutes left, man. When when do human beings ever grow up from this nonsense?
2: Um, when they start thinking for themselves, but primarily when they when they realize that no one is coming to save you but yourself. The bricks are not coming to save you, right? Jesus is not—he's not coming back, folks. I mean, if he even existed at all, probably not. Hate to burst that bubble too. You know, like, Rand Paul is not coming to save you. The Jake, I mean, this, this topic is so big, it's hard to cover within the span of an hour. Um, But mm-hmm. we're given, we are given saviors deliberately to keep us from acting. And I'm not saying, you know, go out. I'm not saying protest. I'm not saying vote. I'm not saying stage a violent revolution. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying just walk away, people. Just walk away. Don't give them your money. Don't use their power. Don't eat their food. Grow your own food. Don't use their medicine. Make your own, you know? I mean, when you can, network with people that you know. Trade with people that you know. Create real networks, real communities. Do the hard work of actually creating a world that you want to live in as opposed to letting these bastards give you every solution. Because the one that they've given you now, again, this BRICS Eastern Savior paradigm, I got news for you folks. The, the term BRICS, was coined by Goldman Sachs in 2003. The United Nations Council on Trade and Development in late 2014. That original Golden, Goldman Sachs paper in 2003 was entitled "The Bricks," uh, the BRICS Nations, or um, uh, 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 Dreaming with BRICS was the name, was the title. And then this UN policy paper, 10 years after the, 11 years after the fact, last November, is titled "The BRICS Development Bank: A Dream Coming True," right? So the dream is dreamt up in 2003, the BRICS weren't created until 2007, and now the UN is saying that the BRICS will be a valuable partner in sustainable development throughout the world. I mean, sustainable development is, of course, a fancy code word for, for Agenda 21, so are, are we saying that, that China and Russia and India and, and Brazil, these quote-unquote good guys, uh, just came to desire you know, uh, GM food and uh, and kind of this Fabian destruction of their society all on their own, why mm-hmm. would they use the term sustainable development unless they were in the sustainable sustainable
1: development cadre? Right, which that also ties back into Agenda 21. I mean, we're throwing a bunch of data points at you guys. You know, the, the conference at Rio where they talked about the deindustrialization of the Western world and why it had to happen because – they believe that you're too damn uppity and you'll never change on your own, so we have to do it for you. And the way that they're going to do it, or at least it seems like the route that they're taking, as Josh has pointed out and pretty laid out pretty succinctly here over the last few minutes, is that they're going to use the giant wealth transfer from, from west to east, impoverish America, put us in check, obviously let the government decide who's going to live and die – That's part of, you know, that's part of Obamacare, Um, lower the standard of care. And so now we're being deindustrialized. And it's because it's not because, you know, it's not because of Obama. It's not because of, you know, whoever, whatever puppet they throw up there next time. It's not any of that. It's, you know, and then they utilize the 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 nice catchphrase. To catch all the people that, that haven't figured out yet that that politicians and warmongers and bank heads don't give a flying shit about you. They use the earth as an excuse. Well, we're going to save the earth. It's climate change. We're going to do this. We need to institute taxation for climate. We need to regulate your carbon emissions. And people, if you can't figure out where this is going, where they're going to start taxing you for breathing because you exhale CO2, man, are you mistaken. If we all fall for this, we're all a bunch of chumps. Because I've documented on this show many, many times about how there is a major conflict going on in the scientific community, and people that are screaming against global climate change aren't given the talk time because guess what? No, we're not going with that because that's where the funding is that's where the money's at. We need to stay where the money is, and you're not going to get any talk time, you're not going to get any air time. I was amazed that Joe Rogan had some a gentleman on there that I actually need to get on my show that was a geologist, a forensic geologist, and he talks about the fact that climate change is retarded because it doesn't even address the fact that there could have been asteroids that created climate change and mass extinctions. He's like, we still live under this philosophy of incrementalism, and it just doesn't it doesn't happen that way. Look, He's like, his, if, all his- of these, if all of these different species died off at the exact same time, that tells you, as a forensic geologist, that something had to happen, and it wasn't a, a shift because there's no cars around. There wasn't a climate shift. Something happened to change the climate, and then we're working with Bad Data and Thomas Sowell. I don't know what it is about the Hoover Institute out there in Stanford, by the way, but uh, Thomas Sowell, who is a member of the Hoover Institute, talks about it in his book about how climate change was a joke when he read the first UN paper on it, and he goes, wait. This started happening before they even implemented all of this stuff. So how are they gonna, how are they gonna address that? And he said that by the way that they wrote it, the academic way that they wrote it, he goes they kind of tiptoed around it but never addressed it. And he said it's this idea. And Josh, see if you kind of fall under this uh, as well because I played it last show. It's this idea of of that we need some kind of um, what does he call it. Um, there needs to be some kind of not, not like not like a quest but the um we need some kind of um crusade is what he called it. There has to be some kind of crusade for human beings to actually get motivated. So what do you say to that? We got like 3 minutes left and we can run over, it doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, well, I mean the gentleman who's on the Joe Rogan uh experience, essentially his thesis was that, you know, 200 years worth of data points in a world where we have ice core samples that go back 100, 200 Three hundred thousand years in some instances right. are just you know so statistically small and null that you know you're, you're, again your your timeline for, for data for data gathering just simply isn't isn't long enough. But of course you know the notion of anthropogenic global warming and CO2 based global warming specifically uh, it, it can't die, Jake, because carbon based uh, carbon credits and energy credit system is going right. to be the hallmark of whatever they call the global reserve currency. At first, it's going to be a basket of, you know, national currencies and commodities. Energy, carbon credits are going to be a part of that, and they're going to slowly kind of make that a larger part as time goes on. And, you know, kind of just trying to put a a dot, the I and cross the T on this, T's on this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, We're we're getting back to that Hegelian dialectic. And with all this stuff we've been talking about, this kind of, build up to some kind of large conflict um, and, and the, the reaction that the Western world will have to this. Um, nobody wants World War III in America. I mean, if it came down to the wire, you know, it would uh, people just people are apathetic. Yes, but they're also poor and they know that they have learned the hard way that war is very expensive, both in human lives and monetarily. The American mm-hmm. people don't want a war. Uh, I would say that a, a great number of kind of the awake and aware majority, politically active people, at, at least, question the notion of the Federal Reserve now that we've had these NPR whistleblowers disclose, you know, these kind of uh, disclosures uh, by by Carmen Segarra at you know at the Fed at, on NPR. Yeah, she was essentially allowed to to g- give you part of part of the narrative. So the reaction is going to be. Essentially, again, this demilitarization of the West, probably ending the Federal Reserve as we know it currently, returning that power to the Treasury. But of course, Jake, if we are to avoid a global conflict, then what? Then what is the solution in that problem-reaction-solution dialectic? It would seem to be the policy papers seem to suggest. And again, we, we can't cover all of them because I have literally 15 of them that I'm looking at here, all of them 80 pages long in some instances. But the... <laughs> The, the what they're talking about the solution being is essentially uh, a global reserve currency in which all nations we get rid of central banks you can have your treasury you can do whatever you want but your currency has to be a basket in this S, part of this SDR basket oh and by the way you know since uh, we don't want any of that uh, global war stuff because uh, we came really close to World War Three just back there. Uh, It would be really nice if we uh, kind of created an army, uh, a a multinational, multilateral army to fit our new multinational, multilateral currency. Um, And this is what China is asking for. Uh, China wants a larger seat at the the United Nations Security Council. That has been what they've been asking the West for this entire time. They're using their gold to leverage uh, themselves into that position, the gold that the West gave them. I mean, this is just once you really step back and take away the dogma you know, take away the dogma of, oh, I'm a libertarian, so end the Fed is good. Well, take a step back, you know, numb nuts, and see, again, the forest through the trees. What would mm-hmm. ending the Fed mean? What would uh, right. going back to the Treasury, uh, you know, mean? What would a global gold-backed currency look like in a world where you have no gold? The the people <laughs> have no gold. How much gold do you own? How much gold do I own, you know? How much gold does the right. average Joe Schmo on the street own? How much gold does, you know, uh, you know average... Uh, you know, uh Cho and Lai on the street in China own right, right no the common George Soros own. owns a little bit yeah I- exactly, exactly, I mean, so it just makes you laugh when these people are calling for calling for a gold standard and uh and they're literally playing right into the hands of these people who, because ultimately Jake, what is gold, what is metal, as a store of value, it's a unit of energy, that's correct, right, and it can I mean.
1: Use- it's a conductor. Um, obviously, that's why silver is so valuable, because and copper and gold is because they they conduct electricity and they're and they have intrinsic value because you can you can build stuff with them.
2: Well, but and the just the effort that it comes to to take takes to pull an ounce of silver or gold out out of the ground. I right. mean, it's a trem- mm-hmm. it's a tremendous effort. It's energy. Right. It's stored energy, just like a carbon credit.
1: Oh, isn't that sweet? That yeah, was funny a nice quote you put on. That was a nice little bow you put on it right there. So I guess, everybody, what we're trying to say at the end of the day is this.
0: There's a vast ocean of shit that you people don't know shit about.
1: So that is basically what we're trying to tell you people is that there is a whole bunch of info out there. And, you know, uh, Josh, you're you're warning to the libertarians. I think that you and I have said this many times in private but never – never publicly um yeah i would um I would also caution any libertarian that wants to go to a gold standard because um that is extremely dangerous just, just look good. at what the just look at what the Rockefellers did uh against gold and silver, just look at that. I mean, if you read one section of Carol Quigley's book, you will put the idea of gold backed currency away, and you will never touch it again
2: or read because- Eustace
1: Mullins, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you read what happened with um, why these things are set up, and 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 they once again they're running game on you people, and they're running game on Josh and I as well. But we're trying to sift through all the minutia and give you little tidbits that you can kind of arm yourself once you go out into this world that where you're going to be propagandized like you have. N- I mean, could you imagine if Joseph Goebbels came back now, Josh, and had all of his different techniques? What he could do to the American population? I mean, shoot, we would probably— uh, who knows? Who oh, knows? Man.
2: I. I, th- I think ultimately he would he would find himself out of work because the uh, kind of technocratic system of propaganda that they have set up is far more efficient than anything they had in the 30s and 40s, that's
1: for sure. Well, absolutely, with the flicker rates and all of that other stuff. I mean, it is, it is mind-boggling. I did an entire show about how the flicker rates and how television rots your brain. If you want to go look at it, guys, I think it was podcast uh, number seven or nine. I'll have to uh, look that up. But I spent two hours on it, and it's and and the data is there. If you go and read the data, like all these scientists are saying, yeah, if you watch twenty minutes of TV, then your brain just basically shuts off, and you, and your gamma wa- waves lower, and it's just uh, it's basically killing you, and you're extremely susceptible to all kinds of suggestions. So that's why when you watch all this war porn and stuff like that, like I tried Josh, and I used to love this show when I was a kid just to show you how far I guess I've come, you know, mentally, I tried to watch G.I. Joe and I couldn't. I mean, yeah. I, I saw the new one. I was like, oh man, this was, yeah, let me check this out. I, I made it 20 minutes into it and I was like, I, I can't do this. I, I well, can't because I, mean- I know what, I know what it's, what it's there for. It's for psychological conditioning for people to just accept the fact that people in black masks and which is kind of ironic that, you know, that ISIS now starts to dress like Cobra. So I mean, there's all kinds of n- nonsense like that going on. So I-, I don't know if it was deliberately set up like that. But when you see ISIS people that are eight feet tall and they're supposedly you know out there beheading people, uh, just ask questions, people. Josh, uh, final comments, and then we'll we'll close the show out, man. Oh geez,
2: well I mean I grew up in the age of the 90s, so I had Captain Planet. Uh, I don't know if that was much better than GI Joe. Propaganda of a different flavor, you know. Um, but
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I never even thought of I never even thought of that. I guess because that was uh, beyond my era. It's always good to have different different generations on here. I guess.
2: Yeah.
1: Captain Planet talk was pro- talk about the propaganda from from all angles.
2: Well, Captain Planet was Ted Turner. I mean, he like put his. It was it was Ted Turner's Captain Planet. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was some uh, Agenda Twenty One filth uh, through and through, and that and that theme song has just been hard coded into into my brain to the point where
1: I'll never forget it at this point. Um, but well, yeah, again, people, you need that. You need propaganda in there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, jeez. Or do you? Uh,
2: just. Uh, but again, you know, people just think for yourselves. Read read these policy papers. Yourself don't don't let don't outsource your critical thinking to us to any alternative media site certainly not to any mainstream media site really dig into the minutia of what's going on here because we are being Hegelian dialectic in this di- dialectic in this East West changeover and I don't mean to freak people out or anything um, but we're nearing the end of it I would say around September of this year uh, the Fed will as scripted raise interest rates. Uh, triggering some kind of geopolitical economic disaster, this will of course set the stage for Randy Pandy Paul uh, and his uh, and his and his Pappy Ronnie Boy uh, to burst onto the political scene after being marginalized for years uh, quite deliberately kind of to build up this underground sentiment to explode onto the scene in two thousand and sixteen end the Federal Reserve that has caused all of this pain quite deliberately. And restore this country to some kind of Misesian Austrian vision. Of course, you know when we look at, at someone like funded by the Rockefellers. You know George uh, and and Rock. Uh, you know David Rockefeller himself says that he is an he considers himself a member of the Austrian school of economics. Right. And, and I hate, what, I hate
1: it, directly under Hayek.
2: Absolutely, he did. I mean, and uh, the Ludwig von Mises Institute was funded by the Rockefellers. You know, come on, come on, people. Just to, again, remove the dogma, and then you you look on a global scale, Jake. This isn't just America. It's we have these analogs have been set up in every single major kind of geopolitical flashpoint um, that, that I can think of, especially in Europe over the past five years. We have Nigel Farage in UKIP in uh, in in England. We have Marine Le Pen in uh, in in France with her right reactionary party. We have a guy who no one knows yet, but everyone, remember this name, people, because you're going to start hearing a lot of it come this summer. His name is Panos Kamenos. He's uh, the Greek defense minister, the head of the army. Uh, he's the other half of Syriza. His party uh, is the is the kind of right half of that coalition. Syriza, obviously the, the, the Greek party that's been elected into power that was you know given this mandate by the greek people to essentially give the troika and the eu a middle finger is proving Mm. that they're not going to do that so of course the reaction uh will be that the other half of syriza the right wing half of syriza um who believes in again these austrian standards will take power in some kind of uh uh you know messy transition period um it's just I read today, Jake. There's a there's a young man. It was uh, on the on the front of the Drudge Report, actually. There's a young hmm. man in 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 Brazil. Uh, his name is. Um, uh, and I guess the the kid's name is not important. But it, this article says that he was uh, he was you know uh, read the works of free market econo- economists Milton Friedman and Ludwig von Mises. Uh, some hmm. of the members of the movement. Uh, have brought home techniques from the Atlas Leadership Academy, a training program run by the Atlas Network, a Washington-based organization promoting free market policies around the world. Well, then you look up the Atlas Academy. Okay, well, who is the Atlas Academy? Okay, they were founded uh, by this guy, Anthony Fisher. Well, who's Anthony Fisher? Oh, well, he's this guy who, you know, popularized industrial farming in Great Britain, uh, and he founded all... Yeah, he... Oh, so he's uh he's friends with um uh or he's a member excuse me of uh of um uh of Cornell oh, he's a teacher at Cornell University the uh, e- uh, foundation for economic e- uh, education which are again globalist fronts but you look again at what the atlas network is uh founded in 1981 along with the international policy network in 2001 uh, the international uh, the international center for economic policy studies. Sorry, I'm throwing a lot of names at you guys. Um, but mm-hmm. Anthony Anthony Fisher founded uh, also founded the Manhattan Institute uh, for Policy Research, and he founded that that institution with uh, with a guy you might know, Jake uh, William Casey.
0: <laughs> Bill <laughs> Casey Research, yeah.
2: No, no, not Casey Research. That's Doug Casey. Bill Casey. Oh. The former CIA director.
1: Oh, nice. Even yeah. better.
2: So Anthony Fisher, this guy who's running around starting uh, the Atlas Research Group, is also starting think tanks with former heads of the CIA. Um, oh, that
1: does, that, Josh, there's no conflict of interest there. And I got kind of thrown off because you were talking so much gold and Austrian economics, I just kind of defaulted to the guy that was the gold giver. So there you oh, go. Oh, I Sorry. hear
2: you. I, I guess the point, though, on that front is that libertarians and anarcho capitalists you have to realize you you people are the communists of the 21st century and not in the sense that you believe the same things or envision the same world but like the communists you have a problem with the power elite as you should uh you have a vision for society that you know ideally would be better than the one that we have now um but you refuse to accept the fact that you are funded trained manipulated and created by the very enemy that you are trying to fight. And as these analogs start popping up in Brazil, in England, in France, in Greece, all in America, these counter-revolutionary forces that are trying to bring, quote-unquote, political change, you're you're running into a trap. You're running headstrong into a trap, and it's about to be sprung.
1: And, ugh. Yeah, uh, we've, just, talked about so that. we've talked about that. It's so frustrating. Well, we've talked about that in nauseam on the phone many times, and that's kind of what I... Wanted to have just a few topics to touch on and then kind of run with it because you and I have talked about this many many times because when you told me because that's where it kind of always made sense to me is you told me that you um, you were reading this blog and you were like wow this is a uh, guy's actually making a claim that um, that John Rockefeller you know trained with Hayek and there he had connections to the Mises Institute and I was like well that doesn't make sense and if you look at it and then you actually read the documentation and find out that most of the stuff is true so then it makes you start to question it and then it kind of put me into this different mindset of thinking that um that when there was the big decision you know when there was the big choice of whether to go with Keynesianism or or to go with the Austrian school of economics that um, hell, why wouldn't the Rockefellers fund both sides? Because of the amount of money and the amount of assets that you're going to have involved in this entire thing, you want to steer the outcome, and either way that you steer that outcome, it will benefit them. Like you were saying, Josh, it's a Hegelian dialectic, but it's at such a such a high level and such an and probably people that go out and parrot the narrative like myself and and others that did go out and parrot the narrative of of moving back to a gold standard or at least somewhat sound currency have um have either gone one way or the other you've kind of really gone to the dogmatic approach and and you've latched onto it and that's going to be your that's going to be your stick and you're not going to change your mind or you look at it and say well that makes that makes sense if you understand how these people operate why would they you know they're not going to ever put their their fortune at risk. I think that's the the overarching theme of this show is that understand that these people are investment bankers by trade, so, and and almost invented investment banking. So they understand risk, and they're going to mitigate risk as much as they can. And the only way that you can mitigate risk is to have either outcome in either direction work out in your favor. Would you agree, Josh? Absolutely. I mean, that's
2: why these people fundamentally are internationalists,
1: you know, yeah, absolutely. Huh?
2: they have analogs in every in every single power block on the face of this planet. So these people, they can shift like chameleons from country to country, extracting wealth as they go, you know, just as they once shifted from Great Britain to America. Uh, right. In the post-World War II era, we're about to enter another era where this power pendulum is going to shift from America to China and Russia. That doesn't necessarily mean that the players behind the scenes are any different because they're the, exactly the same. Xi Jinping, mm-hmm. I, I, you know the, the the President General capitan of China over there, is a uh, great friend with a n- guy by the name of Robert Kuhn. He actually has a TV show now on CCTV. That name should sound familiar. We mentioned it earlier in the episode. Robert Kuhn is of the Kuhn family. Yeah, the Kuhn-Loban company family. The same Kuhn-Loban company that financed <laughs> the Nazis. The same Kuhn-Loban company that financed and built up the Soviet Union. Right. The same Kuhn-Loban company that's currently f- financing and building up China. And on the topic of, of quote-unquote sound money, Jake, you know we have to, we have to realize that there, if we have a long kind of uh, historical perspective of this, The pendulum has swung dozens of times throughout history, from fiat standards back to metal monetary standards, back to fiat standards, back to metal monetary standards. You know, Mm -hmm. if we look at 1900, you know they the Eastern establishment and the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds deliberately set up a a gold-backed currency in 1900, a gold standard. They Mm -hmm. detonated that gold standard themselves in 1907. And Austrian, yep, and then the panic of
1: 1907,
2: oh, yep, the panics of essentially 1907 to 1910 was just a terrible depression in general, and the, right. that was again that they they offered problem gold back currency reaction uh, this horrible panic of 1907 to 1910 solution federal reserve so they right. financed and gave you sound money deliberately to take it away,
1: right, people, Absolutely. and they're doing the,
2: the exact same stupid thing stupid again. Answer.
1: Yeah, they utilized their henchmen like J.P. Morgan to go in and sell off all of his short sale stocks and call all of his debts in and bankrupt the economy, and then nobody knew what the hell happened. They just knew that all the banks were closed.
2: Nobody ever knew
1: because it didn't come out until like 30 years later that that's exactly what happened.
2: Exactly. When a guy went digging through, you know, the Library of Congress to actually read the documents and see what was going on. And Jake, it's, you know, what would a dogmatic Austrian say about the bank runs of 1907? They would say, oh, well, bank runs are healthy because in an ideal economy uh the the bad banks would fail and the stronger right. banks would replace them and and the the consumers who lost out who who thought that their gold was there on deposit when it really wasn't they would be just wiser the next time and the economy would be stronger for it in theory all things being equal you know like a communist good. you would you would be right the problem is when you go like and you Marx, look at the all documentation
1: marxism stuff sounds really good marxism yeah. Fantastic. Hey, that sounds good. Let's try it. Yeah, nah, but of pro- the people with guns always end up at the top and end up killing a bunch of people.
2: Well, I mean, it's I, I would
1: say it's— Either way.
2: Yeah. More than that, though, in the specific example of the Panic of 1907, that's what mm-hmm. the Austrian response would be. But then you really look in at the documents and you find that none, not a single one of these major bullion banks was actually in the market to make money— Every single one of them was a part of this cartel. Every single one of them unilaterally agreed to destroy the currency to usher in this new era that they were helping to create. To stage that perception in the public mind through newspapers and 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 media outlets that they exclusively owned. We're dealing so it's re- with a-
1: history, it's history repeating itself almost 115 years later. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, wow! I put bookends on it. Can you believe that, everybody?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: read some history books, read policy papers. turn off your television. Turn off your television. There's really important shit going on. people. <laughs> oh man, Josh! I had you on a roll there. I shouldn't have cut you off. They were doing great that was a that was um very nice history lesson in the last uh overtime session. Let's see what have we got here. What are we at? Oh, eighteen minutes of overtime. That was great. All right, so um, I think that's gonna do it for us. I, I somehow put bookends on it. If I open up Josh's brain again, I think we'll be uh, we'll probably be going till two or three in the morning because yeah, uh, un-
2: un- unless you want to make this a peace revolution length episode, uh, <laughs> this is yeah, a we good probably time
1: should, to wrap up. we probably should shut it down once again. All right, so I do want to start something new on the show, um, recommending podcasts because. <clears throat> There's a lot of great things to check out there, and there's also a lot of great things that will waste your time. So uh, the things that I would recommend, obviously, Peace Revolution is one. Uh, I would highly recommend No Agenda for their deconstruction of the mainstream and alternative media. And um, also um, recommend Mark Passio's um, uh, podcast as well, um, What on Earth is Happening. If you want more of the occultic um, explanation for some of the... Um, some of the stuff that's going on in the in the realms of existence that we don't see, that would uh that would be one that I would highly recommend. And since I'm in the car a lot, I, I have a chance to listen to a lot of podcasts. Josh, any any podcasts or any uh media out there that tickles your fancy at this point?
2: Well, uh, all of the above that you just noted, uh, the Corbett Report, uh, C-O-R-B-E-T-T oh. yep. Report, yeah, is is an excellent, you know, James Corbett is just, he's a beast. He puts out so much content, and, it's, and most of it is golden. Um, but I, I would really implore people to go and look at, at this blog uh, written by a gentleman by the name of Ken, uh, redefininggod.com, all one word, redefininggod.com. Uh, he,
1: you came across the Rockefeller information that you sent to me, and then we started digging.
2: Uh, he is he has so much substantive forensic history on this website detailing the depth of this bricks bait and switch, again as I call it. And every single one of these posts is just laden with documents and articles and primary sources. It's all it's it's not just the musings of some random guy, you know, who's talking out his ass. Everything he says is very well sourced. So go take a read at his, at his articles. Click through the links and uh, and 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 draw your own conclusions.
1: Wait a minute. So we're supposed to read primary sources?
2: You're supposed to read in general. I mean, that's a it's a blog, you know, <laughs> not a po- not a podcast or a YouTube video. I'm sorry.
1: Oh man, gosh. Eventually, eventually we'll get there. So everyone, thank you so much <laughs> for listening. Remember, as Josh and I have said the entire show, pretty much. Uh, Grab the information for yourself Read it for yourself Formulate your own opinion And who knows, someday you may be right And remember everyone Get a friend, get informed And get involved Not in politics because that's a big ass waste of time But get involved in your local community And try to make um, Try to make the world a better place while you're here And while we still got time and money um, Fiat currency that is to do it Take care